This is Cover 2, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Hit! Browns are going to win! Mayfield, end zone, Landry, touchdown! With Dan Kadar and Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com. With Steve Dorshuk from the Canton Repository. Hello everybody, welcome back to Cover 2, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns from the Akron Beacon Journal. This is Dan Kadar, joined by Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich. Nate, how's it going today? Good, Dan. What's up? Well, we're going to talk about the upcoming Browns game against the Washington football team. And I apologize in advance if I fail to call them by their new name as of 2020. Uh, But we'll see what happens. So we're going to talk about that game. The Browns got a ton of players back from the injury list. Uh, After playing Thursday, the Browns got a nice big gap, kind of like a a little mini bye week, a 10-day off scenario. So they're getting guys back now, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about... What to watch for when they play Washington. It's another home game for the Browns. Um, and then we'll go from there. But Nate, let's go through these guys that came back. You have Greedy Williams. You have Kevin Johnson. You have Mac Wilson. Am I missing any players on defense who, who are back after, after they were really just beaten up there? Those are the three guys. Uh, you know, it's interesting because really... I count Kevin Johnson as a starter, and I think that's totally accurate. You know, Nickelback's a starter in the NFL now, and so you get three starters back, except for, I mean, I think there's no doubt Mac Wilson goes back in the starting line, but linebacker, it's a no-brainer. Kevin Johnson, same thing at nickel. I mean, they've had Tavier Thomas playing there, and, you know, he's he's been primarily a special teams guy, very few defensive snaps until, until he's tried to fill that role this season. And, uh, you know, he's giving up some plays. So I think you get Kevin Johnson there, who, who was having a spectacular start to training camp before he suffered that, that lacerated liver. The one that's interesting to me out of the three coming back is Greedy Williams. And that's because I think Terrence Mitchell's played pretty well, had a good game against the Bengals, got a public shout-out from, from Kevin Stefanski after the film review the day after the game for a really good play. Um, so I just don't know if it's a slam dunk that Greedy Williams goes back there in the starting lineup. Now, he did last year. Last year, he missed the four games of the hamstring. Terrence Mitchell filled in. Greedy came back right back in the starting lineup along with Denzel Ward. But this regime here did not draft Greedy Williams in the second round like the previous regime did. And they really don't have that background and loyalty to Greedy Williams or Terrence Mitchell. So maybe it's more of a true competition and I asked Reedy about it you know hey Terrence Mitchell playing well in your absence do you think that you really have to not only compete with yourself your body your mind to, to make this comeback from the shoulder injury but do you have to compete with Terrence Mitchell at all and Greedy Williams said may the best man win he's not shying away from it he's acknowledging that yeah there is a legitimate fight here for him to get back in the lineup hmm. and now it, it kind of suddenly looks like the Browns have some depth at least no matter how that shakes out at at cornerback and exactly you know the 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 big thing for greedy williams now is going to be 
not only staying healthy, but being consistent. We, we obviously see how talented he, he is, but there were times last season I thought, you know, he was a little shaky. Um, so it, it's encouraging. You seem really pretty steadfast that Mac Wilson is going to be starting on, on defense. And what, what's your basis behind that? He's been out since the middle of August. Um, and I don't know. I, I haven't been impressed with the linebackers, certainly. So is your is your certainty behind Mac Wilson starting based more on where you think his health is at or where you view the Browns linebacker situation currently? Where I view the Browns linebacker situation. <laughs> and, and to be clear, I think that these guys will play Sunday, but I don't know. I mean, sure. here's the thing. With the new injured reserve rules... Uh, you know, you can bring guys back after they miss three games. Well, you, all these guys miss two games. Obviously, that's all there, there's been played so far. So the fact that the Browns didn't put any of these guys on IR tells me that they thought that there was a chance to get all of them back after the second game. So here we are. they got to see how the practice week goes. But them all coming back on Monday on a long week because, like you said earlier, the Open, they had the mini-buy after the Thursday night game. The plan is to play them. they got to see how they make it through the week, right? So... You know, they didn't hesitate at all to put David Njoku uh, on IR, knowing he would miss the three games. So there was no, hey, we think he can make it back after two. We're not going to make that move. They made the move. So that's where I'm at as far as the health goes. Now, uh, as far as the linebacking core goes, have you seen him cover a tight end? I haven't seen the Browns cover a tight end <laughs> since I've covered the Browns. <laughs> that was, you know, 2010 is when I started. So 10 seasons plus now. And. You know, you, you, you saw, obviously, uh, Mark Andrews. He's a, he's a good one. You know, you saw he's in the opener. Um, and I just think that, you know, the middle of the field, it, it was open against the Bengals, too. Uh, the shout-out that Kevin Stefanski gave Terrence Mitchell also accompanied public praise to and for Denzel Ward. And Kevin Stefanski said those guys did a really good job making plays on the outside, stopping a lot of what the Bengals were trying to do on the outside, including some big shots. What was left unsaid there was a lot of damage is done in the middle. I think the linebacking core is, is the trouble uh, trouble spot, the, the, the spot of concern and worry that we thought it would be. I think that's apparent. You look at all the points they're giving up. I think the D-line, you know, has played pretty well. Uh, obviously, Miles Garrett with the probably the play of the game against the Bengals with the strip sack. Uh, near the goal line. So, you know, D-line's had some real nice moments. Sheldon Richardson playing his tail off. Um, your guy, Porter Gustin, showing up a little bit there on Thursday night, Dan. So, yep. you know, D-line having some moments. Um, and secondary with the corners having some moments. But really, linebacker and safety, it's what we thought it was going to be. It's an area of concern. And I think that the hope, if you want to look optimistically, and I know we, we try to a lot on this podcast to counter all the <laughs> losing that we, we have to analyze, but the Browns are one and one right now, so that's good. They had the bounce back after the opener. But the optimistic way to look at this is if they get Mac Wilson back and, and he can move around, he gives them their best chances to cover corner. Better than Taki Taki, better than BJ Goodson in that in that facet of the game. Um, still unproven and inexperienced, but I think better than what they've had out there. And at safety, Ronnie Harrison has barely played since they traded for him. You know, they got him late. He didn't play in he, but a couple snaps in the first game, and, and same in in, in the, uh, 
you know, Thursday night game on a short week, a short turnaround. He was in there for one play when he was his coverage was late. He was late on arrival on a touchdown. Um, so that stinks to see, but I think there's still some hope that you know you can get him in there and and try to on on this again this extended you know whatever ten days nine days between between games um, you can get him in there maybe now and uh, start to really work him in to to be a contributor and see if he can supplement. Uh, Andrew Sandejo and Carl Joseph and eventually maybe uh, take, uh, you know, one of those spots. Because I, I, Andrew Sandejo, you know, I, he had a really rough game against the Ravens. Um, and I think that that, you know, again, an area of concern. So I think that that's a way to look at it. That the two Alabama guys, the teammates and friends, and Mac Wilson and Ronnie Harrison might be able to give them a little bit of boost. But, you know, am I, am I grasping straws here? I maybe you know i mean is it too much to expect these guys to ride to the rescue for a defense that just has some glaring holes and is giving up 30 plus points per week yeah to me though looking at this game and kind of just jumping straight into what what to watch for here this is the the perfect kind of team to go against where you're working some pieces back or you're working some pieces in. I know Washington is one and one, but they started both games this season down seventeen to nothing. They happened to come back to beat Philadelphia, but then they did almost nothing against Arizona for much of of their game in week two. Their their offense is kind of whatever. I mean Dwayne Haskins is just okay, I think. Terry McLaurin, their slot receiver, is really, really good. And that, that to me, is the going to be one of the fascinating things to watch who covers him, you know, if it's Johnson and how he does coming back. But otherwise, their offensive line, the left side of their line is bad. Their best offensive lineman, Brandon Scherf, is out. Um, so to me, Nate, this is kind of the perfect opponent for this defense to kind of figure some things out against. Do you think I'm overstating it there or, or what no I think it's a good one I think you're, you're right on I, I do think for the defense to get back on track there's a couple things going in its favor and that's like we talked about the extra time that they got in preparation for this upcoming game against Washington because they played Thursday night getting reinforcements back you know Ideally, all three of the guys we mentioned come back and play Sunday. And that that's a big injury, you know, for, for the Washington's, I think, best offensive line, one of the best offensive linemen, one of the best interior offensive linemen in the NFL to go out. That That's a big boost for the Browns. Um, you know, in, in Washington, just, you know, obviously not being uh, a high-powered offense. I think all these things point to, hey, if the Browns defense is going to get on track somewhat and not force the offense to have to win a shootout every week, this would be the week where they try to get the act together. And it, if the Browns give up a lot of points again this week, I think the over-under is something like 44. If the Browns give up a ton of points again this week, you really have to raise a red flag no matter who you have at safety or what you think of the situation at linebacker because 
I, I know Washington averages like a point more than the Browns a game on offense, but they they just don't have good players, quite frankly. Um, so yeah, if the Browns give up a ton of points on Sunday, you, you really have to be concerned, I think. Kind of looking at the other side of things, Nate, we always talk about how talented the Browns' defensive line is. One of the better ones in the entire NFL. Washington's might be the best. Uh, they have, you know, four first-round picks starting on their defensive line in Chase Young, who they took this year. They have Deron Payne, who I love. Jonathan Allen, who I love. They're very good against the run. And they have Montez Sweat, who they took in the first round last year, who is just a gigantic athletic pass rusher. And then they have Ryan Kerrigan still. So in terms of what the Browns are going to be up against, how tough is it going to be for them to play against this incredibly talented defensive line? It's going to be a great measuring stick. It's going to be a tough matchup. I think it's the matchup of the game without a doubt. The Browns' offensive line played well against the Bengals. The Bengals were without Geno Atkins because of injury. They eight-time Pro Bowl defensive tackle take him out of there. It's a big difference. And then even the guy who's backing him up, Mike Daniels, and you know respected, established veteran, he was out too with injury. So you know the Browns took advantage. They played well. Give them credit, but the competition's going to be a, a lot tougher from this Washington D-line, and you just mentioned it, five first-round picks. Um, It's reminiscent of last year in week four. The Browns went out to Silicon Valley and just got pummeled by the 49ers. Now, Washington's not the team that the 49ers were last year when they went to the Super Bowl, but the D-line with all those first-round picks, I think it was five first-round picks for Washington last year on the mm-hmm. D-line, and they've changed the dynamic of that line since with moves. But um, now we got another team, five first-round picks on a D-line. We also have the rookie number two overall pick from Ohio State and Chase Young for Washington, um, who had – you have a uh, one and a half sacks in the opener. Yep. Uh, and Kerrigan had a couple. Kerrigan has a couple sacks. Um, and then last year, we, the, let's not forget the number two overall pick from Ohio State again as a rookie. Again at defensive end, Nick Bosa wrecked that game for the Browns and taunted Baker Mayfield along the way with the uh, fake flag planning. So. <laughs> You, you got. It's interesting to see early in the season how the Browns had such a tough time against that D line last year, and obviously the Browns' offensive line, new faces, right? Um, new tackles. Uh, you know, it, it, things are a lot different. But it is interesting that that you had that matchup last year against a bunch of first-round picks on a D-line led by a rookie number two overall pick from Ohio State, and now you, you can face the same scenario with a different team this year. Uh, so, obviously, the hope is that the, the for the Browns, that the Washington is not going to hang 31 on them like San Francisco did last year. But that goes back to our talk about the defense and can it step up and get its act together enough, you know, where it doesn't have to have the offense – put up a bunch of points to have a shot so um i'm really interested in the matchup dan um i I think that 
Jedrick Wills has, has looked good, uh, you know, and shown growth here early in the season. But here's a real measuring stick to see see what you got out of your 10th overall pick. Um, Jack Conklin was active but did not play against the Bengals. They kept him active in case they needed him in an emergency situation. Chris Hubbard stepped up with Conklin dealing with an ankle injury that he, he suffered in the opener, and Hubbard played well. Um, but Conklin was back at practice yesterday, and he was overshadowed by those three defensive guys who had been out for so long. Um, but Conklin, uh, you know, trying to work his way back so you have your, your full-fledged starting offensive line for this matchup against this D-line that really stands out. And I, I think that's going to be a big deal with Conklin back. And Chris Hubbard did play pretty well against the Bengals, but Conklin was really good against the Ravens in a game where you would really have to struggle to find something that happened well for the Browns in week one. I think Jack Conklin is as advertised, and I, I think he's just a hell of a player, basically. Um, through two games now, what what's your impression of Kevin Stefanski? I, I don't want to jump on the, oh boy, he sucks because they lost week one in, a, in really bad fashion or anything like that, which some people have done, but what are, what are your first impressions after his first two games as an NFL head coach? Well, early impressions are that he uh, is as advertised when it comes to even keeled. Um, you know, he didn't show any signs of panic after that first game as, as poorly as it went. And then after they won, he gets his first victory as an NFL head coach and the players give him the game ball in the locker room and everything. Just talking to him minutes after on Zoom, which is how we do things nowadays. And there's like no sense of celebration from him. Like he is just calm, just like he was after they lost mm. in Baltimore. And I asked him like, you know, what does this do for your you know, team's morale, you know, big win in prime time. I mean, it was a, it was a really fun game to watch, Dan. I mean, how many times can you say that like, about the Browns in recent years? And right. Especially after the dud they laid in the opener to come back two games in five days and, and to rebound with that win and, uh, you know, have Baker Mayfield looking good uh, for the most part other than that interception at the end. Had the running backs looking like, you know, legends. I mean, <laughs> just there was so there, Miles Garrett coming through in a huge moment. There was so much positive um, stuff for Stefanski to hang his hat on. Just the, the resilience, the way they bounce back. Um, and he just said, "I'm not going to ride the wave." I mean, <laughs> then he was asked again later. Uh, one of my colleagues asked asked him, you know, something about, "Hey, you know, your emo- what are your emotions like first win as a head coach?" I'm not going to ride the wave. I mean, it's just mm. flat line, you know, and, and that's how he was throughout the off season. That's how he was, you know, even with all the curveballs that the pandemic threw at the Browns and the NFL, that's how he was during all the uh, civil and political unrest and, you know, his players getting involved in that the organization, getting involved in it. He has just been steady. He's been steady. And I think that's what we've seen early. And and then apart from the personality and everything, 
I really like the fact that, um, you know, we saw the offense with him as the play caller establish its identity in week two. And I think that's huge because in week one, we just didn't see, it didn't look like that Kyle Shanahan, Gary Kubiak offense. Right. I mean, we, we, we didn't see the, um, you know, the, a lot of that play action passing. And we certainly didn't see the, you know, misdirection bootleg play action passing, uh, against the Ravens. And, and that's like the staple of the offense, right? Along with the, 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 the running game powered by the, the wide zone, you're used to seeing the line go one way, faking the run, and then the quarterback booting out the other way and, you know, finding receivers on the run. And that's how they open the game against the Bengals. And Baker Mayfield got hot doing it right away. And he completed his first five passes, uh, had a touchdown drive. Um, you know, his hot streak got ended by his own uh, intentional grounding penalty. But they had some of those big chunk throws, including the uh, 43-yard touchdown to Odell Beckham Jr. on that you know, design rollout stuff that, that you're so used to seeing in that scheme. So we saw this scheme look the way it's supposed to look. You know, We saw those plays unfold the way they're designed to, to, to unfold, and we saw Baker... I think gained some confidence on Thursday night doing that stuff after he, you know, and, and the offense looks so bad um, for a lot of that Ravens game. So that's what I like. Now the gambling is interesting. I hated the fake pun in the opener. I would have gone up by two scores down there uh, against the Bengals on the fourth and two when the fancy hand at the chub. But, you know, I, I, I'm not, I don't feel super strongly about that because I get his point. Hey, sevens are better than threes, and you give it to your best player and Nick Chubb, and, and, and you try to get it in. And if you don't, then obviously you're, you're, you're trusting your defense. And, and that burned him. I mean, the, you know, not, it didn't burn him, I guess, in the opener, but the defense got burned in the opener after Jamie Gillen punted to the one. Remember they gave that 99 yard back breaking drive. Well, here they get it down there um, at the one, right? The half yard line after Chubb was short of the goal line, ruled short of the goal goal line. And, and they let him out uh, a little bit. Uh, Larry Ogunjobi gets a, uh, a neutral zone infraction. And, you know, but the Bengals then have it, I think it was third and nine at the 12, and then Miles Garrett with a huge play. So then Stefanski's decision ultimately pays off because Miles Garrett delivers such a huge takeaway in a big moment, and then they're able to punch it in two plays later with Nick Chubb again running it. So um, it's a long way of saying that get ready for Stefanski to gamble. In, in, in every game, uh, I think you can expect something – like that where he's going to take a little bit of a risk and you know i think when you dig into the analytics dan um those risks usually are encouraged uh (laughs) by the people who break down the numbers Mm -hmm. um so i think that you know that's part of it and i also think that there's just part of Stefanski's personality and, uh, you know, being so even keeled and, Hey, we're not gonna, 
get too hyped and, 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 and nervous or have knee-jerk reactions. We're just going to have confidence in, in the most kind of, uh, you know, crunch time or, or clutch moments. And, 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 and at times, we're going to go ahead and, and put our trust in our players. There was earlier um, a, a fourth and two on that same drive, right, where he gambled uh, with, with Chubb down by the goal line. There was a fourth and two. And they ran that little pick play. Austin Hooper crashed inside on route, and Jarvis Landry was wide open to the left, and uh, and Baker Mayfield found him for a, for a first down and a pretty nice gain. So, I think we're going to see that. I think that's part of the Stefanski um, package that we're getting. But I don't think it's like, hey, heat of the moment, knee jerk reaction. I'm going with my gut, kind of like Freddie Kitchens' old school style. I think it's more like analytically driven, calm put in trust in my guys and sometimes it's going to work sometimes it's not yeah and really i mean it's kind of like the the infatuation with shooting three pointers in basketball now where it's a harder shot to make but the payoff is worth it so you know going for it fourth and two at the goal line is a risk i think worth taking going for a fake punt however maybe not so, in the, I I would love to see because I, I I think you're right on the money with Stefanski being very comfortable taking risks, and I want to see him now when they're inside the high red zone or whatever you call that inside the ten yard line, the green zone, the money zone, whatever you want to call it. I want to see him line up in a formation like they did on that fourth and two with Chubb where it looks obvious that they're going to run it. And then we see this great bootleg from, from Mayfield. And that that's what I want to see out of this offense where, you know, you, you're, you don't know what's going to come exactly, but it ends up being effective. And it's, it's based on, you know, the, the background of Stefanski and, and what you think this team should excel at, you know, and, and just quite frankly, I, I want to see more teams, you know, throwing it inside the the three or five yard line near the end zone instead of just trying to pound the ball. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe that's a a weird way of thinking in in Cleveland, where we've seen for years that that's the mentality. But like, gosh, even just watching Cam Newton get destroyed at the goal line at the end of of Monday night football or Sunday night football. Um, I want to see more passing near the end zone basically is what I'm getting at. And I want to see it to Austin Hooper, by the way, I, I think he, there, there's a lot more they can get out of him. I'm not going to make conclusions after two weeks, but he's a really good player. And I think there's, there's more you can do with him, especially now with Njoku out. But, um, Nate, last, yeah, they, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, um, piggyback off that like the first point is um the one real bright moment you saw in the ravens game is what you're describing when they ran uh, a play with three tight ends at the goal line and david njoku was wide open to me that's right you know that's really encouraging that's a browns coach slash play caller scheming guys wide open in a crucial situation and I feel like if you would have taken that play and put it in the Bengals game, you would have had your cake and eat it too, Dan, because you would have been yep. getting that play, the, 
that you're licking your chops for in a win, and then it would stand out. You know what I mean? And feel good instead of in a blowout loss. <laughs> you know, you're, I mean, that's all you had to hang your hat on, really, in that one. Yeah. Um, but the, the point about Hooper, yeah, they did try him right before, right after the Miles Garrett uh, strip sack. Um, they did try him, and I think Baker missed him a little wide, and he caught it, but he's out of bounds, clearly right. out of bounds. Yep. And then they just punch in with Chubb. But, yeah, you're right. And the thing is, Hooper, he hasn't put up a lot of uh, receiving stats uh, yet, but I think he's been pretty good in, in blocking, actually. And, 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 and I think the tight ends as a whole really have, have played a good role in, in you know, what Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt have been able to do this so far. So I don't want to discount that. Yeah, Harrison Bryant is a, is a very good blocker. A lot better that than is, I, I thought that it was. Is amazing, really, because it was not the case in training camp. Yeah, and we we don't need to go on about these two, but boy, Chubb and Hunt are really good, man. I, I mean, I, I know I want to see him pass the ball more. Maybe you get Kareem Hunt more in the passing offense, but boy, they they are good. I mean, especially Chubb. Uh, we we talked about it almost every week last year, but. As more time goes by, he certainly looks like he might be the best player on the team. Um, just an incredible football player. Incredibly complete, incredibly hard to tackle. Very, very quality player. How fun was it when the Browns, you know, credit to Joe Burrow, just kept coming at him, kept coming at him. And after the Baker pick, um, Burrow comes at him again. And, you know, they scores it the Bengals score a touchdown on a burrow pass it's 28 23 and there's 555 left I mean how fun was it just to see the Browns run it right down the Bengals throat to put the game away I mean six plays 75 yards Chubb for four Chubb for 26 hunt for 33 hunt for one hunt for 10 hunt for one yard touchdown I mean if that's not a northeast Ohio football fan's <laughs> dream I don't know what is right I mean, <laughs> forget three yards in the cloud of dust. That was 75 yards and a lot of uh, multiple clouds of dust, six clouds of dust. I mean, that was that was really fun to see the Browns just wheel their way behind those two guys in crunch time. And, you know, as, as many steps as I think Baker took in that game and, and gained some confidence, Stefanski didn't let him throw it again after that interception. And, and, and why would you? when you got Chubb and Hunt doing what they did. Right. Yeah, it, it's just being smart, really. I mean, it, it's low risk with a with a good payoff. So, I don't know. I, I'm still impressed by, by Stefanski. I'm not going to get carried away from the week one stuff. Um, Baltimore is really, really freaking good. So, but I, I think this week, Nate, I think this is a, a very good matchup for the Browns. I, I think the Bengals are going to be pretty rough this year, but Washington is a, they have some quality parts, but they also have parts where the Browns can can really test themselves on, on defense in particular. But, Nate, you got anything else this week before we head on out? Um, geez, there's just... There's so much. I guess we didn't really get to uh, talk about um, the kicking change or anything like that. It didn't come into play. Right. Um, you know, Austin Seibert 
cut and Cody Parkey in. So that's something to watch this week. Uh, you know, it would be surprising if, if Cody Parkey went two games in a row without being summoned for a, a field goal hmm. uh, and, and potentially an important one. Uh, so there, you know, there, there's that. And, and I just think you want to see Baker Mayfield um, now that he's kind of looked a little bit more uh, like he did as a rookie, you can clearly see that he can move, right? I mean, the boots, the rollouts, and he's moving again like he did as a rookie. Physically, him being in much better shape is showing up. Now you just want to see him take that next step and, and put a couple of good starts together. And, and how about a turnover-free one? He's thrown an interception the past eight games. So all those Stefanski really liked what he did Thursday night. He said he's got to learn from that interception, and I agree. So those are some of the points that we don't really touch on. I just want to throw in there, Dan. There's plenty more, but those stick out in my mind. Sure, and you can find, you know, Nate's and the rest of our colleagues' coverage of the game coming up on the Beacon Journal's website and beyond. Uh, There's going to be a lot of it. There's going to be a really good story up on, on Wednesday morning. You're going to want to make sure to read the guys will have predictions and stuff like that over the next coming days as well, so we're not going to get into that either. But that is going to do it here on Cover 2. Make sure you're following Nate on Twitter. He's at by Nate Ulrich. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you next week.